Take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 10. Our scripture reading is verses 13 through 16. Hear now the word of the Lord. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Thus ends a reading of God's word. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, so much for your word that you have given us today. Lord, you speak to us through your word, and we're so thankful for that. So we just pray, Lord, in, in, in the same way that as a parent, a loving parent speaks to his child to share what's on his heart, that God, so we would listen. But Father, you know that we are weak, that we are we're fraught with temptations. Our, our minds might wonder to think about the things that we have to do today or, or next week or the things that have happened this morning on our way to church. And so, Lord, we pray for the help of your Holy Spirit to help us to focus and, and not more than focus, Lord, but to receive by faith the things that you say to us. Oh, Lord, I pray that you would stir our hearts, our minds, our wills, Lord, to glorify you. As we hear your word today, we pray in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, a number of weeks ago when we were looking at chapter 9 of Mark's gospel, verses 38 through 41, we saw how the disciples sort of misunderstood the scope of the kingdom of God. Uh, they tried to stop a man who was casting out demons in Jesus' name, and, and they basically said to him, because he wasn't formally following them, he wasn't part of their group, remember we said that, that they tried to forbid the man from serving Christ. Can you imagine that? Could you imagine breaking into another church on a Sunday morning and saying, Stop! You're not Presbyterians. You're Baptists or you're Methodists or you're whatever. So stop ministering in Jesus' name. But that's, that's what they did. You know, uh, they tried to forbid this man from serving Christ. And Jesus, of course, re, uh, he challenged the disciples uh, to see that this man was part of the kingdom of God. Well, today we sort of have another situation somewhat like that. But in this passage today, we have children, parents who are bringing their children to Christ that, that he might bless them. And the disciples, of course, are wanting to forbid these children to come, and Jesus then corrects them. Now, I want us to see this morning that you don't have to be an adult to be part of Christ's kingdom. You, you, you don't have to be a grown-up to be a Christian. So kids, I hope you're, you're hearing this. Both kids here, those that are maybe listening on the live stream, that you would hear that. Jesus in this short passage gives us good news for our children, and he also gives us good news for us. He tells us that the kingdom of God belongs to children and to all who receive the kingdom as a child. So I want us to look at this this morning, and really there's just a couple of points that I want to make. First of all, I want us to see the openness of Christ's kingdom. As I said before, the, the disciples saw the kingdom of God as very narrow, and I want to suggest that the kingdom of God is, is very open. 
uh, in one sense. That Christ has opened wide the doors of his kingdom, as one person put, to any and to all who will come. There is no impediment except for the will who refuses to come to Christ. There's no impediment. There's no, uh, there's no stone wall. There's no hindrance to anyone except the will who refuses to come to Christ. So as we look at verse 13, we see, and they were bringing children to him, that is to Jesus. Now, the assumption here is that the they are their parents. Uh, and it, it does at least include the fathers, because in the Greek it's in the masculine, okay? Which could be fathers or it could be mothers and fathers. Um, but they're bringing their, their children to Jesus. Now, there's been a lot of ink spilled over children, and what do we mean by children? Are they old children? Are they young children? And Mark is not helpful at all, you know, because he uses a word that could be used for various ages. Um, as a matter of fact, he uses the same word back in Mark chapter 5 when he's talking about Jairus' daughter. And he says, child, you, know, the, you know, this child is not dead. She's just asleep. Well, she was 12 years old, okay? And he uses this term. So it can be used for uh, older children as well as younger children, for babies, for infants. Matthew uses the same word. But Luke, on the other hand, uses a very different word. And the word that he uses actually means infants or babies. So I would suggest to you that it's very likely, and, and I think it's correct, that these were little, little kids that people were bringing to Jesus for him to bless them. As a matter of fact, even Mark says that they brought them. The, the kids didn't come on their own. They weren't, you know, wasn't a 16-year-old walking up to Jesus and saying, bless me. The parents brought them. And Jesus also, he took them in his arms. And I don't think he was taking a 12-year-old in his arms you know, and so there's a sense in which I think he's talking about those who are younger. But regardless of the age of the children, the disciples didn't think this was a good idea. They sort of stood around Jesus, maybe sort of like bodyguards, I don't know. But they were sort of keeping these children from coming to Jesus. Now, you know, whether they saw that as an interruption or they saw that as something that was beneath Jesus, we don't know. You know, it could be that they were thinking, he needs to preach the gospel. He's all about his kingdom. You know, we want to see him overthrow the Romans. He has more important things to do than to deal with children. He has to heal people. Whatever it is, we don't know. But in much the same way that the disciples were telling the man who was casting out demons in chapter 9 that he didn't belong, that's the message that they were conveying to these children and to their parents as well. They don't belong. Now, it's interesting as you look at the Greek here a little bit more that in verse 15, Jesus says, don't hinder the children. Don't, don't hinder them. Now, that Greek word that's used, it's translated hinder, back in chapter 9, verses 38 and 39, is the same Greek word that's translated stop. You know, the disciples said, you know, this guy was doing this in your name, so we stopped him. We hindered him. We, we tried to shut it down. And Jesus is saying in, in this passage, don't hinder them, don't stop them, don't shut them down from coming to me. So I think that there's a, a connection between these two accounts that we see in these verses. And so the disciples rebuke those bringing the children. They, they, they speak a, a strong word of disapproval. Can you imagine? They didn't just tell the parents to stop, they rebuke them. Maybe even shame them for bringing the children 
to Jesus. Once again, the disciples have a very narrow view of what the kingdom of God is all about. Now, in all fairness to them, you know, the, the disciples were merely reflecting the view of society. If you remember when we were uh, walking through Mark chapter 9, uh, there was another account where Jesus took a child and he put him in their midst. And, and he, he talked about those who received such a child and, and, and how uh, godly that was to do that. Because children in the, and remember in that time I said that children were sort of to be seen and not heard. That's probably putting it very nicely. You know, they were just really not seen as important at all. They were insignificant. They were sort of ghosts, in a sense, in, in the culture uh, in which they lived. And so, you know, for the disciples to say, hey, keep the kids away. Jesus doesn't have time for this. Would have been very much reflecting the cultural values that were around them. Well, Jesus doesn't agree with that perspective. And he counters the disciples' rebuke by correcting them. Look at verse 14. But when Jesus saw it, he was what? Indignant. Now that's a very strong word. It may not be so much in English, but in Greek it's a very strong word. He was very upset. I mean, I, I just what made me think of was when Jesus was in the temple, and he cleared the temple, and you could just tell how upset he was that they were turning his father's house of worship into a marketplace, into a den of thieves. And, and the, the same idea is here, uh, that Jesus sharply opposes the behavior of his disciples. He's like, you guys really got it wrong this time. Um, because, you see, they were viewing the kingdom of God as much more narrow than what it is, that it did not include children. You see, Jesus was upset because the disciples were misrepresenting the character and the grace of God. You see, God's character and His grace is such that it extends even to children. Little children are welcome to the throne of grace. You see, in Jesus' day, children were part of the covenant community. They, they were part of those who were blessed of God. Much like today, we receive children as members into our church. Non-communing members, but they are members of our church. So Jesus came to set up his kingdom and, and of God among men, and he took this occasion to declare that the kingdom admitted little children to be subjects of it. In other words, Jesus says that the kingdom of God belongs to these children. Now, Jesus doesn't say that the kingdom only belongs to children or that it belongs to every child, but it does say to such as these, referring to the children who were being brought here that they are to be included in the kingdom, that they are not to be excluded, that they have as much a right to the kingdom as the disciples themselves. And by Jesus saying that the kingdom belongs to such as these, it, it gives us a much broader perspective of God's grace and, and God's mercy. That Jesus, as, as we read in Mark chapter 1, verse 14, Jesus came proclaiming the kingdom of God. Jesus wants us to know that his kingdom is for children as well. And we must never forget this, brothers and sisters. Uh, we must remember to constantly be bringing our children to Jesus. And not only you as, as parents, but even us as a church. We need to be bringing the children to Jesus. Now, I, I know as, as parents, it is your responsibility to raise your children and the fear and admonition of the Lord. But as we baptize 
uh, infants, we will say to you as a congregation, you know, do you vow now to support these parents in the raising of this child? So they are not doing that alone. They do that with the help and the assistance of, of the church body that is around them as well. And, and we see that in so many ways in our congregation, do we not? I mean, I see that as those of you who are single will oftentimes sit with families rather than saying, oh, there's those families with all those kids that make all that noise. I will watch you sit next to families so you can help them with their kids, sometimes holding them on their lap or, or sort of guiding them in the worship service. And it's just beautiful to see that kind of support. But parents, I want to say to you, you have a wonderful opportunity to bring your people, to bring your people, to bring your children to Jesus. You get to expose them to so many first experiences. You get to expose them to, to things like school and, and sports and clubs and, and all kinds of things. You get to uh, expose them to what it means to have a good work ethic and maybe you've even set up your life such that you can make sure that your kids learn to work and they're responsible or maybe you have them reading and things like that but we need to understand that the most important thing that we have is to bring our children to Jesus and is that the most important thing for you as a parent do you convey to your kids in the way in the words that you speak and in the things that you do that Jesus is the most important thing. Yeah, I might be good to have a good work ethic. Yeah, I might be good to have a good education. Yeah, I might be good to belong to this club or that club or whatever it might be. But you know what? My kids will walk away with the idea that there's nothing more important than Jesus Christ and having a relationship with Him. You know, from, from the earliest passages of the Bible, believers have been challenged to share the things of God with their children. And I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. I know we looked at this passage last week. You know what? I forget. You forget. We need to be reminded often, okay? So let's read it again, okay? Deuteronomy 6. Uh, this time I actually want to read a little bit more than what we read last week. Deuteronomy 6, 1. And we'll read through verse 8. This is just one example of how uh, we are to share the things of God with our children. Now this is the commandment, statutes and rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. These aren't suggestions from God. These aren't, you know, these would be a good idea, people, if you did this. This is God's commandments. It's his statutes. It's his rules, okay? That you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it. That you may fear the Lord your God you and your son and your son's son by keeping all the statutes and his commandments which I commanded you all the days of your life and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. So you see that intentional living life 
in light of the presence of God before your children and explaining that to them. I turn over to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. As Paul writes to the Ephesian church, and, and I believe it was a circular letter, so it was written to the other churches in that area as well. Ephesians 6, 4, um, Paul writes uh, sort of the same kind of thing. He sort of renews the challenge that we see in Deuteronomy 6, only in a shorter way. He said, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's just sort of a summary statement of everything that Deuteronomy 6 says as well. And the other thing that I think is beautiful, if you look up at verses 1 through 3, you see that Paul not only is writing to parents, but he even addresses the kids too as well, does he not? Uh, he, he recognizes that they are part of that, of the church, of the covenant community. So, so by Jesus saying that the kingdom belongs to such as these, it gives us a, a broader perspective of the, of the kingdom. It's not saying that the kingdom only belongs to these young children, but certainly they were included. But Jesus is taking these children and using them as an example of even a larger group for whom the kingdom belongs. Jesus would be including any that are like these children. That obviously should cause you to think, um, what does it mean to be like a child? Does that mean maybe, for example, that whom, those whom the world might think are unimportant or who are helpless and are needy? Well, Jesus sort of clarifies that in our next point in verses 15 and 16. We not only see the openness of the gospel, but the freeness of the gospel as well. And how it is that we receive the kingdom of God. Uh, Jesus makes a very solemn statement in verse 15 where he says, Truly, or like verily, I say to you, uh, does, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. You see, Jesus first said that the kingdom belongs to those who are like these children. Then Jesus says that everyone who would enter into that kingdom must enter it in a way like these children. And I think there's a lot of things that come to mind when people think of being childlike. Sometimes they think in terms of innocence or spontaneity or humility or, you know, there's, you probably have answers that are coming to your mind that you're thinking of. But last week we talked about how children are really are not innocent as much as we sometimes might want to think that. I mean, children may trust, and we may see God work in the hearts of our kids from the time that they are, are young, but, but the Bible views children as those who are born in sin, those who, who need a Savior. They are sinners in need of God's grace. And so these helpless infants that are being brought to Jesus belong to the kingdom of God by the sovereign good pleasure and grace and mercy of God. Not because they deserve anything. They deserve nothing. Not because they have taken steps towards Jesus. They have not. Their parents have brought them, as a matter of fact. It wasn't that they decided to come to Jesus. It was by the good pleasure of God, by the sovereign will and purpose of God, that they have been granted the grace to belong to the kingdom of God. And Jesus says that we need to receive the kingdom like a child. I really believe that the emphasis here is on that idea of receiving, okay? It's not the characteristics of a child, but it's on the receiving. You see, children receive things all the time, especially young children. You know, parents, you do everything for your child, right? You do a lot of things, both tangible and intangible. 
You give them food, you give them clothing, you give them shelter. Uh, you also take care of them. You change their diapers and you clean up their messes and stuff. Uh, but as they get older, you give them advice and leadership and instruction and discipline. You give them time and support. And, and the children, especially the younger that they are, they, they receive this with genuine trust that the things that you are doing are good for them and that it's not leading them astray. And so children, particularly uh, little children, uh, even though they're often praised for being innocent and their spontaneity and humility, and it's often assumed that it's because of these qualities that they are commended to Jesus, that's not what we see here in this text and why Jesus blesses them. In this story, children are not blessed for their virtues, but for what they lack, because they come as they are. They come as they are, small, powerless, without sophistication, overlooked and unfortunate um, in view of society. And so to receive the kingdom of God as a child is to receive it as one who has no credit and no clout, no claims. And brothers and sisters, this is why the gospel message, as beautiful as it is, and, and the free offer of the gospel, especially that it's free to us, you would think, who would not accept this? Who would not trust this? But to do so means we have to admit that there is no good in us whatsoever. And our pride is oftentimes too great to receive such an awesome message. But that's what it means to come as a child. A little child has absolutely nothing to bring. And whatever a child receives, he receives by grace on the basis of sheer neediness rather than on any merit inherit in himself. And so little children are, in a sense, sort of models for what disciples are to look like. You know, uh, it's only an empty hand who can be filled. And it's the same way with us. Now, with us, we're a little bit different in the sense that we actually are full of sin. But even God in His wonderful grace takes that away. He takes that away, our sin, and He gives us His faith that we might be received. Now, compare that with the posture that some take in trying to come to Jesus. You know, we have to ask ourselves, are we trying to receive the kingdom or are we trying to earn it somehow? Uh, do we make entering the kingdom of God all about us and what we've done? Well, I've asked Jesus Christ into my heart and I have done this and I go to church and I believe this. You know, is it about our living to show Christ how good of a disciple we're, we are? And we feel good about ourselves and our relationship with God when we're obeying Him and when we're not obeying Him, when we struggle with sin, then we don't feel so good about that relationship with God. Is it about us? Or maybe it's about our knowledge to show how much we know about the kingdom and theology and stuff. And, and brothers and sisters, we need knowledge. We need to be convinced by the truths that of who we are and what Christ has done. But, but there's a way to do so as a child does so. You see, if we ever make the kingdom of God about us, about how we earn our way into it instead of how we humbly receive it, then we've been misdirected. We've, been, we've become off track. You see, we need to receive. You hear that? We need to receive. We need to receive, not earn, but receive that which God has done for us and given to us. 
And so there, there is an openness here as we come and we trust ourselves to God. But I want us to see too in verse 16, I think oftentimes as we're talking about this passage and you know, sometimes we want to use this to, to, uh, um, you know, to talk about views on baptism or, or other things and, and stuff like that. Um, so we want to talk about the ages of children and all the other points of this. But, but I believe as you look at verse 16, that is sort of like the high point of this section. After Jesus corrects his disciples, uh, he then proceeds to bless the little children as they are brought to him. He lays his hands upon them and he blesses them. And, and this confirms the words that Jesus has said earlier, to such as these belongs the kingdom of God. And, and of course, it's very fitting to think about the kingdom of God in terms of the blessings of Christ. Uh, in the Old Testament, God instructed the Levitical priest to be the ones that would bless God's covenant community. And that would include the children as well. You see, God's plan of redemption always included God taking for himself uh, people for his own possession, a people that he would bless. And in the Old Testament, that blessing came through the Levitical priest. But here, we see it coming through Jesus. Jesus is giving the blessing. And what a greater blessing it is. I mean, and just think of the blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and following, it talks about how we are, we are blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And of course, it makes sense that Christ would bless those who were being brought into his kingdom. That's all a part of the free gift that he has given to us. And yet, brothers and sisters, on what basis does Christ give us this free gift of blessing? And you might say, well, he's the king. He's the king, and he chooses to bless his subjects. And that's true. But, but if we didn't earn our way into the kingdom, on what basis does he bless us? Well, as I had said earlier, it is upon the free gift. He blesses us because of the free gift that he has given to us. But brothers and sisters, don't confuse the fact that the gift is free for us that the, that the gift didn't cost. Because it was very costly. It was a very expensive gift. It cost the king his life. It's, it's a gift that came to us through the death of Jesus Christ, our king. And for Jesus to be able to bring us into his kingdom, he had to, to first suffer, and he had to die for his people. Because, you see, apart from being reconciled to God, we are not the subjects of this kingdom, but we are enemies of God. We don't deserve his blessing. As a matter of fact, if you look back at Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, uh, all of humanity suffered God's curses. I mean, it says in Romans 8 that even creation yearns and, and moans for the day when it will be redeemed because even creation, with all the, the tornadoes and the storms and the hail, and the things that we see, it's under the curse that came because of sin. And of course, the curse that we see in Genesis 3 is just a, 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 a foretaste of the ultimate punishment to come in hell, where those who reject God will be cast for all eternity. But for Christ to now bring us into his kingdom and bless us, 
represents a change in status, does it not? We have been changed from enemies to, to friends. We have been brought into Christ's kingdom by the free gift of God, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. And it was on the cross that he became a curse, literally taking curses due upon us, upon himself. And Jesus became a curse so that we could then be blessed. You ever thought about that? You know, we read in the Old Testament how there are covenant curses and there are covenant blessings. But Jesus Christ took all of our covenant curses that should have been due us, and he has given us his covenant blessings. He bore our curses so that we could freely be brought into his kingdom and be blessed. I don't know about you, but that should be enough to make a Presbyterian say amen. Right? That's glorious to think what God has done for us. And by the resurrection, Jesus proclaimed his victory over those curses. He said, it is done! It has been accomplished. Here's a visible picture to let you see of the reality that has happened. And you are free in Jesus Christ. So Jesus is now exalted to the highest position in the heavenly places where he bestows on his people the kingdom blessing. And so for Christ to bless these little children here in this passage, it is in light of this victory that he has had upon the cross. So even for the priests to, to, to bless God's people in the Old Testament, Jesus Christ had to die for those blessings to become a reality. And so all of God's people in the Old Testament, the New Testament, God's people young, old, even children can experience God's blessing in God's kingdom because of Christ. Oh, praise be to his glorious name, brothers and sisters. I hope that stirs your heart to want to worship and to give thanks to him for what he has done for us. And if Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, then he extends his blessing to you today. And that's why at the end of every worship service, we have what we call the benediction, which is the blessing that as we leave this place, we leave with Christ's blessing upon us as his people. And that's sort of a formal extension of his blessing to you that you live out throughout the week uh, as you minister in his name. And this is because if you belong to Christ, then you belong to his kingdom. Christ's kingdom blesses. blessings are extended to you and you are called to receive them. And so, brothers and sisters, let us indeed receive Christ and his kingdom blessings. Let us receive them this morning by faith. Let us receive them in spite of what we lack. Let us receive them as a gift. Let us receive them this morning knowing that we don't deserve them. Let us receive them knowing that we, are, we have not earned them. Let us receive them this morning as a child. Let us receive them as those who depend upon him in the same way that a child depends upon their parents. So we depend upon God this morning. Let us never forget that. And so if we receive Christ in his kingdom as a child, then why would we think that our children could not receive Christ and his kingdom? Of course they can. So let us bring our children. Let us bring our children to Christ. 
May we as a church welcome them in our midst. May we welcome them in our worship service and all the activities of our church. May we declare as Christ did, let the children come. Do not forbid them. May we with our children turn our eyes upon Jesus together as one family in Christ. May we together look upon the one who blesses us, who says, you are my people. And, and that's why, I, I'm not so sure this passage is about baptism, but that is one reason why we baptize our infants. And this is also why we have children in the worship service as well. We worship as a family that includes even our little children and we welcome them. We, we must. And so I, just in closing, I just, I just want to say uh, to you as a congregation, I'm, I'm so thankful for your patience with the kids, you know, in the worship service and stuff, you know, that, that you don't get upset, you know, if kids make a little bit of a noise or they wiggle or they squirm or Pastor Rick asks a rhetorical question and a kid answers me, you know, I don't hear anybody complaining about that. Thank you so much for that. But I also want to say to you parents that I know sometimes it's hard. It's hard to bring your kids to Sunday school. It's hard to get everybody together and get them to church looking somewhat civil and hopefully everybody's dressed. At least they have all their shoes, we hope. Uh, It's hard sometimes to sit with them in the worship service. I want to thank those of you who don't have children who uh, or your children have grown and you, you're so patient. Um, I want to thank you for parents as you bring your kids to midweek study. I know it's not easy in the middle of the week to gather again with God's people after you've had work and everything that's done. It's not easy to have family worship and all those things. But thank you for bringing your children to Jesus. And, and, and may that remind us of this important truth that we, like them, together are called to receive the kingdom of God with all of its blessings. Amen? Let's bow our heads as we meditate upon this word this morning. thank you so much for your wonderful grace. Lord, that there is, is nobody in society that is, that is invisible. Lord, that your grace is, is for, for everyone in the free offer of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for your love for our children and uh, those who are part of the covenant community. And just thank you, Lord, for the picture all the way from the Old Testament to the New Testament, to see, Lord, that our, our children are not outside the covenant community, but, Lord, they belong. And, Father, we do pray for our kids. And Lord, we pray not just that they will pray a prayer and ask Jesus into their hearts, but, Lord, that their hearts would be changed and, and, and made anew. Lord, 
there are kids in our congregation that need to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And we pray that they would. And there are those, Lord, already whose hearts have been changed. And we pray that they would grow. That they would love you, Jesus. Lord, that their love for you would grow so much as your Holy Spirit works in them that there's no love that they have except for you. And that all the love that they have, whether it be for a parent or siblings or one day a spouse or for chocolate ice cream or whatever it might be, that that love would flow out of their love for you. That it would be first and foremost and in, in really their only love. Now, Lord, we pray that for all of us as well as we walk on this earth. Even as we get older, Lord, um, the things of this world can be heavy upon us. Um, Lord, we can, just the physical limitations and the changes and, and, and just recognizing that our bodies are not what they used to be and having to accept that and the limitations that go with that can be so discouraging. But Lord, we pray that those things would not be the things that define us. But we pray instead that our love for you would be the focus of our lives. Knowing, God, that this love is not something that comes from us, but something that you have given to us, something that you have poured into our hearts as we read in Romans 5. And we pray that that love for you would be evident, not only in our own minds, but, Lord, to those around us, as we might be salt and light to the world that we have uh, interfaced with each and every day. Lord, may we be your witnesses. Lord, may we be a blessing to those around us as you have blessed us. We pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.